Welcome to Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. I've been asked many times to comment on the McLean Bible Church situation. That's where uh, David Platt pastors. He's the author of the best-selling book, Radical. If you don't know who David Platt is or McLean is, you probably have heard of Radical, or at least you did 10 or so years ago when it was a big thing. Uh, I've, I've been a little hesitant about this. I've even said it uh, on the podcast. I've said, you know, I, there's so many moving parts to this. It's very complicated. It's like an iceberg. There's so much under the surface. I've been aware of problems there for over a year, I think now. And I just uh, haven't wanted to say much because I, it could even be the historian side of me. I just, I want to wait till the dust settles and more comes out because I know more is going to come out. And it's just, it's so much bigger than just quote unquote critical race theory or, or even social justice. There, there's more going on here. Now, that is part of it, um, but it all it, that I think is also serving as an occasion for conflict, not just, it. it in other words, there, there's several problems, and I don't think it's just that. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to point to some other things uh, internally at McLean that are publicly available online if you want to go look them up. Um, but there's a lot here, so I'm going to try to hit the ground running. I'm going to go through a lot of material as quickly as possible, and the goal here is really just to, um, it, it's become so big, I've landed on this kind of conclusion, that's why I'm doing this, it's become so big I can't really ignore it. I've, I've had so many people reach out to me, uh, people who think it would be helpful if I say something, so I'm going to try to say something, but my goal here is to explain what's what's happening to the best of my ability, knowing that this is not exhaustive, okay, just know that up front, this is, there, there could be probably a lot more added to this. And then secondly, um, uh, I want to, to to frame it. I want to, and maybe we'll do that at the end, just try to think through what lessons can we draw from this? What does this say about where evangelicalism may be going in general? Um, I, I think the reason I, I can say that this is bigger than McLean, that there's something going on, something in the water, is because of everything what we've been observing for the last few years. And right now, you have a denomination, you have actually multiple denominations, but the Southern Baptist Convention is a big one. I just learned that the Assemblies of God uh, is fighting over the social justice stuff, kind of, or at least there's, I'll talk about that in future episode. There's tension though. Um, what's happening at John Piper's church, Bethlehem Baptist is, it, I mean, it, it's kind of like all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put evangelicalism back together again. Uh, it, it's, it's, some have said, you know, R.C. Sproul died and it all fell apart. I don't think, I, I don't think that's necessarily the cause of it, but it, it does seem that um, there are not, you don't have leaders. It's leaderless. You don't have the, the kind of leadership that used to exist that maybe could have patched things up and could have provided uh, some clear direction. Uh, a lot of the people you're probably even thinking of now that are very clear on this are maybe not in the United States and, and as present in, in this fight as, as you might like, uh, or they're uh, aging, they're old, they're about to retire, they are retired. There's just not a lot of leadership. There's a lot of chaos going on. And so um, McLean Bible Church is the flavor this week or this month or this couple months, but it'll probably be another church or another organization. Or it, it's good. We're going to be going through this, I think, for a while. I'm just trying to prepare you. This, this is not going to be a unique situation, and it is not a unique situation even right now. But it is illustrative. It is one of, the, of many situations. So uh, let, let's do it. Let's go get into this. I'm going to just share with you some of the things um, that I've observed from David Platt over the years, and then we're going to get into McLean uh, specifically. So what's causing the issues at McLean Bible Church? Well, um, this was August 1st, 2021, so uh, this past Sunday. David Platt just said this uh, from the pulpit uh, at McLean. 
reminder, we've set up a page at mclanebible.org slash elder updates. We gladly invite members to sit down with leaders of the church to discuss any questions you ever have about the church as we move forward together, undistracted and undeterred as a supernatural church family. So he said this as just an announcement, and if you go to the website, it's it's basically they're they're trying to defend themselves. They're hedging against uh, all the the issues that are happening, the accusations that are being made, the internal strife in their church, and and he feels the need to say this. He said the same kind of thing last week. He took longer, but this is um, there. They have to acknowledge it. He has to acknowledge it, even in a sermon. And and I just. I really get the sense it kills him to do this. It really, I mean, there's been strife there for so long, and it, you probably, if you are a regular church, in fact, I talked to someone who's a regular attendee, had no clue. And that's, I think, how they want it. They can't ignore it anymore. When national media is talking about them, uh, and, and of course, they're right there in the D.C. metro area, uh, or the, the the Beltway area, They're um, they're also keyed into the media. That's kind of I get that impression too. They they can't ignore it anymore. It's it's popping up in the papers they read. So um, they're acknowledging there's an issue, and they've been doing that for a few weeks now. Now I want to start back in 2010. I'm going to go all the way back to Radical, and I want to read for you some posts, uh, some some uh, quotes here from David Platt. This is on page 64 of Radical. How many of us are embracing the comforts of suburban America while we turn a deaf ear to inner cities in need of the gospel? How many of us are so settled in the United States that we have never once given serious thought to the possibility that God may call us to live in another country? How often are we willing to give a check to someone else as long as we don't have to go to the tough places in the world ourselves? How many of us parents are praying that God will raise up our children to leave our homes and go overseas, even if that means they may never come back? How many of us are devoting our lives to taking the gospel to people in hostile regions around the world where Christians are not welcomed? Certainly few of us would be so bold as to say we would just uh, assume God annihilate all those people and send them to hell. But if we do not take the gospel to them, isn't that where they will go? Meanwhile, Jesus commands us to go. He has created each of us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I propose that anything less than radical devotion to this purpose is unbiblical Christianity. Okay, so that's a that's a lofty charge. It's unbiblical Christianity. Anything less than uh, going to the ends of the earth with the gospel and um, a radical devotion. And and so if you've read the book, I had to read the book. Uh, Southeastern required me to read the book, and so I did. I think in 2014. Uh, and um, I remember afterward, I you know I, I liked it. I remember I even I, I looked back at something I wrote, and I even had said basically I agreed with it. Um, most of it, but I, there was something unsettling about it. I had written a blog that just something, and this was the quote that I had used in my blog. I'll read it to you. It's from the Christian Post in um, 2014, I believe. But David Platt said this, I believe that the gospel and the American dream have fundamentally different starting points. The American dream begins with the self. Exalt self says you are inherently good and you have in you what it takes to be successful. So do all you can work with everything you have to make much of yourself. This, I don't know if it was that quote or it was probably a combination of reading Radical and that quote. Something was just not right in my head. I, I, I felt like I agreed, but at the same time, I, there was something that just did, I, I couldn't figure it out quite. And I think what it was, um, was David Platt, uh, it, it was actually the followers of Radical. more Well, and, and I'm not talking about people who are radically actually doing what David Platt said. I mean, his fan base, the people who read the book and wanted to condemn others for not doing what David Platt said. 
uh, they tended, they disturbed me a little bit, and because I saw them in seminary, and um, they, the, the, um, the sense I got was that conservatism, political conservatism was bad, loving your country was bad, uh, th those were all part of the American dream and associated with it, uh, God's blessings were bad, uh, it was sort of the demonizing of their parents and all the stuff their parents had and all the blessings their parents had. And, and this was one of the things that I think bothered me was if, if you understand how a market economy works, uh, and I'll blow this up, by the way, so you can see what I just read. I should have blown it up before. If you, if you uh, know how a market economy works, you know that if someone's buying an expensive car or a house or whatever, uh, there are people that are feeding their families based off of, you're creating jobs. They're based off of what you, you did. It's not evil. Wealth isn't evil. Those things aren't bad. And I don't think David Platt, I don't think he ever said wealth is bad. I think, though, this uh, teaching, though, sort of led people to that conclusion, or they assumed it somehow. And, um, and you would assume, reading something like this, just even the page I just read, that David Platt must live like a monk. I mean, he must be in the inner city or in a foreign country and living in some box with his family uh, or, or at the very least like George Mueller just kind of every day um, okay what's going to happen is the milk truck going to break down and feed all of us uh, that kind of thing and and so um, the reality is though David Platt now I don't know everything about his life I don't want to assume that I do but it doesn't seem like he does live that way and I want to I want to start with something personal uh, this is a personal story, so you you can take it with a grain of salt. You're free to do that, but it, I know it's true because I, I I remember it happening. This was 2011, I think, and I was uh, at Master Seminary, and I remember there was a student there who came uh, directly from David Platt's church, uh, which was um, in Georgia at the time, I believe, and this student was. Uh, did not like David Platt at all, like really had an ax to grind with David Platt. Um, and one of the big things he kept saying, and he said this publicly, he told it to me, was that David Platt uh, was, well, publicly in the sense of, you know, the seminary classmates, that David Platt was a hypocrite, that he did not live the way that he wrote about in Radical at all. Like that we didn't, it didn't describe him. He didn't, uh, that, that he was fake. That he was, I mean, he, this was, these were heavy charges. And I, I was, I, I did not buy it at the time. I just remember thinking, this guy must have an ax to grind. It must be, you know, maybe he's the one with the problem. I'm not just going to assume that David Platt's this way. Time has gone by, though. <laughs> Time has gone by. And I just want to let you know, I think back to what this person told me, who, who knew David Platt on a personal level. And what he said is now resonating with me. And I'm wondering if... I should have listened more at the time because I, I wasn't like a huge follower, but I definitely, uh, I, I would have thought that David Platt was a positive uh, force, a positive leader in Christianity. Uh, and uh, I mean, this was kind of that young reformed ish thing. And I, I never, I, I don't know that I was, would describe myself as completely in that, but I just thought that, Hey, there's guys who want to get the gospel out there. They believe God's sovereign and big. And, and that, I mean, that, that seems like a good thing, right? So, this is David Platt's house. <laughs> this is this is his house. Apparently, according to this was an article on Capstone Report, but I, I know that other people have sent me this over the years. Uh, it's worth nine hundred thirty-five thousand dollars in Vienna, Virginia, 
and it's a very nice house. Um, now, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, having a house like this. I don't think, um, well, especially, you know, I don't know how many kids he has, but if you have a family, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything innately wrong with having a house like this at all. But I, again, I didn't write the book Radical. And, and that's, I think, the thing that's made me wonder a little bit is if you're going to have a house like this, uh, is it really necessary? And is it in keeping you know, with, with the radical kind of uh, agenda that you want to present to people? That's what doesn't make quite sense to me. There, there seems to be, it, it seems to be consistent if, if what my friend in seminary said was true about David Platt, this would be the kind of thing I'd expect. Um, I might expect even more than this. I don't know. But again, my, our, my view is very limited on this. But this is public matter of public record right here. So I'll let you do with that what you will. But um, if McLean has hired a pastor who is some of the things that seem uh, to be true about him, uh, hypocrisy, um, some uh, lying. In fact, I, I'm not even going to go through it all. Capstone Report, I think, did a whole like the five lies or six lies of David Platt or something where they, where I guess uh, Alan Atkinson says he's like verifiably, you know, traced through and caught David Platt in these lies. There's definitely some lying going on though. I, I, I just can't see a way around it. I've tried in my head to like figure out how could it not be and it just, it doesn't work. Uh, you have someone who seems dishonest, who is accused by multiple people of being power hungry, um, who doesn't seem uh, capable of taking personal responsibility. If you watch his statements on the whole issue with McLean right now uh, for what's going on, just doesn't seem like he's capable of it or desires to do it. Uh, and again, I mean, look, it, maybe he doesn't think he's wrong, but he is the pastor there. There's, there's got to be somewhere along the line he can say there's a leadership failure or something. Something's off. I'm just telling you that something's off. And um, uh, th little things like this seem seem to give you a little hint of it. Now, uh, this was something in the research for the book, Social Justice Goes to Church. And by the way, I should plug it. You can go to socialjusticegoestochurch.com and order a copy, the history of uh, the social justice movement in evangelicalism. And this is one of the things that I included in it. Uh, is a, uh, I, I included a link to this picture of Russell Moore and Ron Sider and David Platt. And this is from 2016. And this is um, early 2016. And what Russell Moore says is, my colleague David Platt and I enjoyed being with Dr. and Mrs. Ron Sider. Dr. Sider's writings on hunger influenced both of us. This did not surprise me when I was looking into it. Because I, I knew, I, I thought there must be a connection between David Platt and Ron Sider. Ron Sider is a guy that uh, basically pioneered within evangelicalism, even though he's kind of Anabaptist. But he pioneered in evangelicalism uh, the, this um, kind of, it's it sort of like, it was like radical, his book. But in his teaching, but it was um, even more radical than radical. Put it that way. Like there were clearly some some Marxist kind of Im influences shaping Ron Sider's work. Uh, and uh, so anyway, um, that's uh, th that that was a, an interesting connection, and that just showed me that if, if Russell Moore is saying that David Platt has been uh, influenced by Ronald si Ron Sider, specifically Ron Sider's writings on hunger, then David Platt has been influenced by someone who is, in my opinion, uh, one of the best and 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 nicest, uh, his public persona at least, um, 
person who's mixed Marxism with Christianity, syncretist. So that's a red flag, big red flag. Now, 2018 uh, revealed that something was up, that, that it wasn't just David Platt's a hypocrite for having, and, and by the way, that house I showed you, I think he got in what, when he moved to McLean. But before that, I know people have sent me pictures of uh, like another house he had. I think it might've even been bigger. I'm not sure. But uh, anyways, th that issue was, was a present issue. Now, um, you have the Ron Sider thing. Then in 2018, this happens. As pastors of churches, of worshiping communities who gather together with our congregations every week to sing our songs and give our offerings to God above us, have we been or are we now slow to speak and work against racial injustice around us? And I am convinced the answer to that question is a resounding yes. In fact, I'm about to make a broad statement, which I know is dangerous because 12,000 of you have lived 12,000 different lives with 12,000 different experiences. But on a whole, pastors in America and the churches we lead, instead of bridging the racial divide in our country, have historically widened and are currently widening the racial divide in our country. Have his racial divide admittedly broad strokes. So I'm not talking about any specific city or community here, but the reality is the facts are, some of these facts come from a helpful book called Divided by Faith, which is in the bookstore, but the facts are black Americans are much more likely to be unemployed than white Americans. The current ratio of two unemployed black people for every one unemployed white person has held pretty constant since 1950. Income inequality between white and black people is close to 50% worse, wider today than it was for I'm going to stop it right there because uh, it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, David Platt talks about uh, criminal justice and just these disparities. The sermon, as you can see from the title, Let Justice Roll Down Like Waters, Racism and Our Need for Repentance, was delivered uh, at T4G 2018. And of course, he's working off the passage in Amos. And what he's doing is he's taking that and then he launches into all the disparities that are existing. And he blames it essentially on the church, or at least partially to blame on the church. And and, def and and never define. He just lets this social justice influenced uh, understanding of justice, this um, that, that justice is about eliminating disparities and, and promoting equality, not equality before the law, but egalitarian equality. He he lets that be the defining thing in this sermon, and and so th this was a defining moment. This sermon, I think, when history books are written about how evangelicalism fell or whatever, they're gonna. This is one of the things they may look at the T4G conference and David Platt's sermon in particular, because it, it was massive scripture twisting. And it was, it was just, it was a terrible sermon, but this was a wake up call for a lot of people. They thought, wait a minute, how in the world did David Platt just preach this sermon? And um, I'm wondering if this is kind of who he has, had been for a while. Uh, and just maybe he developed more in it, but he hadn't, said all these things. He kind of disparaged the American dream. He kind of, 
you know, showed, hey, I, I like Ron Sider's work. Uh, I think in the book, I couldn't remember it earlier, but Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger was Ron Sider's book, 1977. Um, but now, uh, now he's coming out, and, and it's a woke sermon. There's no doubt about it. So then, uh, let's see here. We have, um, we have other issues going on. We have um, internal issues at McLean Bible Church. So when David Platt got there, which uh, now I'm trying to remember what, <laughs> I had it in the forefront. There's so many moving facts. I'm trying to remember. Uh, so I guess it was 2019. That's what I wrote down here. Uh, coming to McLean Bible Church. Um, although I felt, feel like he was there before that. Maybe it was 2019 though. Uh, when he got there, uh, Capstone reports, uh, reported that, um, there were issues that, that David Platt did not want oversight as much over himself. Uh, under the previous pastor, Lon Solomon, their senior pastor's report would last about an hour covering a range of issues. Platt's uh, reports were five or 10 minutes and didn't really cover anything of substance. Um, uh, Platt and Dave Young presented a PowerPoint to the elders uh, when he got there, I guess, and the focus was taking the church in a new direction. The new direction focused on increasing Platt's autonomy. One glaring example was in the area of church discipline. Platt sought to totally remove the elders from the process and replace it with a far more autocratic system. So Capstone Report, getting information from those concerned within the church, but there were some documents or some PowerPoint, I guess, sent, and you can see some of the screenshots if you go to Capstone Report. Uh, David Platt's uh, letter from June 2019 after praying for President Trump. If you remember, President Trump came to McLean, David, and poor, poor guy in a way, David Platt, I feel bad for him. He got a five-minute warning, and he did, I thought, a pretty good job. He prayed for President Trump when President Trump got there. Uh, here's the thing, though. After the day after he posted this, I wanted to share with all of you. Uh, let's see, because uh, I don't. I'm going to skip ahead here. Uh, some people he acknowledges are hurt that he made the decision to pray for Trump. This weighs heavy on my heart. I love every member of, of this church, and I only want to lead us with God's word uh, in a way that transcends political party and, and position, heals the hurts of racial division and injustice, and honors every man and woman made in the image of God. And and so this was. Um, this caused a lot of anger among some political conservatives. They're saying, wait a minute, you prayed for the president. I mean, look, if Obama would have come, I mean, like, it's the president. You prayed for it. Why does this merit a statement of acknowledging the hurt that it caused? And then you have to insert hurts of racial division and injustice. That, so there's an implication here that racial division and injustice, in part, was stemmed possibly from him praying for Donald Trump. Possibly, it's vague. You don't really know, uh, but it's 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 oddly worded. And there there shouldn't really really this is an opportunity to disciple the people in your church and say, I you know, so, and, and probably go to them individually. But if it's so widespread, you may, maybe say it. The next Sunday at church, I don't making a statement. I mean, this seems like it's I don't know. Is it for the media? I don't know. But I can't I can't know all the motives. But what I do know is they need to grow up. <laughs> if if it's a problem that your pastor prayed over the president, you need to kind of grow up uh, and, and gave a very biblical prayer. But but David Platt showed that there was something there that he was uncomfortable with. And it seemed like, from the way it was worded, that uh, it was people who were upset uh, about what Donald Trump supposedly represented, and specifically racial stuff. Um, and then we have, uh, so, so the question was, is David Platt accepting the narrative about Donald Trump? 
Is he just accepting this narrative that he's this horrible person and then and he's not even worthy of being prayed over at church? So then um, you have a number of sermons that David Platt's preached. Here's just a clip from one of them. Can I just share this? This is uh, May 27th, 2020. David Platt. I want to sacrifice more of my preferences as a white pastor. I need to grow in my laying aside of preferences for members of this body because I want Christ to be exalted through increasing diversity in our leadership and our membership. On a related note, I, I do not want to speak from the Bible on issues that are popular among white followers of Christ while staying silent in the Bible on issues that are important to non-white followers of Christ. That's not faithful pastoring. I actually read this week how studies have shown that white church leaders are less likely to speak and act prophetically on race issues because white church leaders have more to lose when they do. Basically, if you want to draw a crowd in general, stay away from racial issues. And if you want to draw a crowd of white people or, or black people or this type of person or that type of person, then stay away from saying any one of those types of people is part of the problem on racial issues. Because the reality is many people mainly want to be comforted when they come to church. And as people, we're, we're naturally drawn. To all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop it. There, all right. There's so much more here. Woke Preacher Clips did a whole thing on this one, this sermon. But David Platt is he's starting off in the complete wrong place. Uh, you preach what the Bible says, right? You preach what what your people need. You, you as a shepherd, are you're leading sheep. And... He's saying he basically is the, the whole seeker sensitive thing isn't right when you're trying to just give people what they want or but but he's dividing the church up ethnically and and only two ways by the way like it, it, people are so much more complicated than that but he's just dividing between black and white and it, somehow like they have I guess different uh, needs different things that they need to focus on and he needs to just kind of like focus on the things that they need I mean this is this is so stressful to, to have to live this way. When it's better just to preach what the Word of God says, go through it uh, verse by verse, and and then um, try to assess where your congregation is at for application. And uh, and there's going to be a number of factors that uh, are going to lead you to preach on certain things or say certain things. Uh, in fact, even real-time reactions might cause you to say certain things or not say certain things. But to to make it this hyper-racialized thing, and then to, I mean, look at his source. Oh, I read an article that said that white pastors do this. And hes it's almost like he's feeling guilty for it. This is the kind of thing, and I, and I could have inserted more and I didn't, but you see from David Platt over the last few years, this kind of stuff. And it's this kind of this desperate, I used to think it kind of seemed sincere-ish. Now it kind of, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, it's just, it, I don't like it. It doesn't, it actually seems the opposite. Um, this very... Uh, desperate tone of just, I don't know, thinking that they, they got so far to go and, and they're just, they're, they're such a mess because they're not racially this or that. And and he he participates in the, the Gospel Coalition's uh, Night of Lament, which is that year. I did a whole video on that. He, and I'll, I'll show you in a minute, the, um, the book he writes uh, the same year on voting and and i don't know there's other stuff too but uh there, his, there's a sunday school that's um super woke that and in fact they actually i think were pretty they had a sunday it was a sunday school or a small group it was some kind of like a a woke study they did they didn't call it that it was like a social justice study 
and they were trying to keep it under wraps. I, I remember hearing about that last year. But there's just like so many of these little examples. I can't even keep track of all of them, especially from last year. And and here's here's the book before you vote. Um, I I'm not going through all these right now. I did a whole podcast on it, so you can go check that out if you want. But um, here are some of the slides, and I'll make these slides available. Link is in the info section for patrons if you want to go check out these slides. But I, I took some some quotes out of them. It's morally repugnant, though, this whole thing. I mean, here, here's I'll just read you this one quote. What about the scores of Christians, including overwhelming percentage of African-American Christians who consistently vote for Democrats because of the party's record on other issues that they also deem biblically important? Can you really conclude that they lack faith in Jesus and are on a road that leads to everlasting suffering because of how they weigh those other issues? Will you really exclude them from the church because they voted for a Democrat? How about this, David Platt? How about we get our ethics from Scripture? And when a party's platform is committed to murdering people uh, and they're being murdered in large quantities every single year, every single day in this country, and there's a party dedicated to keeping that going. Um, how about we check the moral compass of that person to make sure that they know what they're voting for? Maybe they're super ignorant. And if they're not, then we start the process of confronting them for the evil that they are. I mean, if they justify this, that this is a good thing, that we confront them for it. Now, if it's a situation, I think this is what David Platt's trying to uh, uh, provoke um, people to think about. Well, what if the other issues outweigh that issue. So in other words, they, yeah, they're for murder, but you know, at the same time, uh, they're also for free health care and for, uh, I don't know, all the other stuff the Democratic Party's uh, for. I, th my challenge, and this is what I said, I think, in the review I did, was like, you show me the good part of the Democratic Party platform. Show me one good thing that's biblical, that's, that would be in conformity, at least, to like a biblical ethic. And it's not. It is consistently um, against all the things that the Bible stands for. So David, Platt, David Platt's judgment is the warped judgment in this situation. And, and this is the whole purpose of the book seems to be justifying that, what I just read to you, justifying that, hey, you can vote for a Democrat and still be a Christian, and there's no reason, you know, it's this fake unity. So we shall be unified uh, and not, not be worried about these things. So... Um, Let's see, there's so many problematic quotes in this, but I'm, I'm just going to, uh, oh, memory. see, I'm tempted now to go into it, but I already did a podcast on it, so you can go check out the podcast uh, that I did on that. Now, Friends of McLean, uh, there was, um, there's a group on Facebook, is it on Facebook? I can't keep track. There's one on Facebook, and then there's an email, this is the email, I guess, Friends of McLean letter, December 8th, 2020. They said this about um, what's going on at McLean. Uh, currently, McLean has established attendance requirements that far exceed the restrictions enumerated by the governor of Virginia. The governor's instructions allow for exceptions regarding face coverings. McLean policy does not. The governor's instructions do not require that temperatures be taken, yet McLean policy does. Our church has actually become more controlling and tyrannical in that control than our current governor. This was on December 8th, 2020. This is the, the real thing that you should... that kills me. David Platt and Mike Kelsey, so he's one of the other pastors or elders, I guess, they attended a Black Lives Matter march. And this, um, well, it, it's it's technically not the Black Lives Matter organization. It was kind of a Christianized version. I think this was the one that Thibidi and Abuile was on and uh, Mitt Romney, I think, joined it. Anyway, it uh, 
So, so this happened, and this is uh, a paragraph from, it's on the McLean Bible Church website right now, and they confirmed it. In June of 2020, David and Mike joined many church leaders and members from all around the Metro D.C. in explicitly Christian march to pray for unity and healing in the midst of escalating racial tensions. Mike's son held a poster saying Black Lives Matter to God as Mike and his dad, a longtime pastor at Washington, D.C., led in prayer on the lawn in the front of the Capitol. The gospel was proclaimed to the surrounding crowds and people were invited to trust in Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Um, I, I've, I've seen the clips of this. I've, it's a Christianized Black Lives Matter march. That's all it is. Uh, <laughs> this happened at a time, and so it was sponsored by David Platt too, in a way. I mean, he, or at least he was, he's posting it on his Twitter, uh, encouraging people to go when the church was closed. You heard that right. McLean Bible Church was closed at the time. You couldn't go to a worship on a Sunday service in person there, uh, because of COVID restrictions, etc. Um, but he encouraged people to go to this march. If that doesn't bother you, I, I just don't know what will. That's as far as the hypocrisy that and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this seems to flow into that whole narrative that David Platt's got has a hypocrisy issue. Uh, that I, I'm just telling you straight up, that really bothers me. That really bothers me. The priority that someone would place on going to this Black Lives Matter, soft Black Lives Matter ish Christianized march. Uh, to protest, and this is right after there was all this mayhem done in D.C. Uh, the last day, the couple days before this, and and they're going to show their solidarity because of the George Floyd thing uh, situation uh, where uh, George Floyd had died, and and now all these cities are up in flames, etc. And they go to, you know, I guess show that their disapproval of systemic racism, but you can't go to their church. It, it, it is, which is more necessary? Which does God command? Which is actually the job of a pastor? So, so this is the problem here. Um, and then in December 8, December 2020, uh, it's shown that McLean Bible Church apparently has restrictions that even exceed the governor's. Now, I'm, I don't know all the reasons for that, but it, there, there's, there's a double standard, seems like it's going on. And this is another thing that is causing people issues. Uh, so if you want to understand what's going on, that's another uh, slice of the pie. Um, now, some articles. Capstone Report, February 3rd, 2021. Leading up uh, to today, McLean Bible Church leaders and members confronted David Platt for bad management, including affirmative action promotions. This is a long thing. You can go read it. I just put a few quotes. Uh, this is this is the beginning, I guess, the uh, letter that it starts it off, uh, this itemized list of issues. To the elders of McLean Bible Church. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to skip ahead. We thank you for your service. Uh, as you know, several months ago, we provided the elder board with paper discussing our grave concerns regarding the gospel, the church, justice, and racism class. This is the class I was talking about earlier. Uh, we write again to share our deeper underlying concerns on the following issues. Elder oversight, lack of transparency, biblical preaching and teaching, staffing, and outside influence. We believe that these issues are the root of NBC's current predicament and regrettably believe that they call into question the fidelity of, of the church to scripture. In approaching these issues, we are inspired by uh, Paul, uh, where he rebuked Peter. Um, let's see here. I'm going to skip ahead here. Uh, we wish to assure you that we raise these concerns out of deep affection and concern for the church. So this is coming from a place of, of affection, of uh, love for the church. Even though David, David Platt is going after the people who 
probably some of the people who, who fashioned this letter, but people who have problems right now. This was a friendly letter uh, written to itemize, here are the issues that are, that are happening. And social justice is definitely part of it. Um, Washington Post then gets involved. This is uh, July 20th, 2021. Critics say the church's leadership has become woke and has substituted critical race theory and social justice for biblical teaching. Platt and other leaders, they say, have abused their power by violating the church's constitution. In response, Platt has claimed that the church is trying to fight off a hostile takeover and that Satan is trying to divide the church. And um, the article goes on to talk about some church constitution violations, um, allegedly illegally preventing some leaders from voting. So this apparently happened. Some leaders, I guess, were stripped of their uh, membership um, without, I guess, proper due process is, is the concern, uh, allegedly. Um, enforcing provision, uh, a provision that after eight weeks in a row of non-attendance cons uh, constitutes inactive members during the COVID scenario. So essentially, um, I, I guess that must have been a pretext that was used. I'm not exactly clear on it, but there the elders or the, the leaders of the church um, were trying to to strip people of their membership for um, not attending for eight weeks but this is also during a time when uh, many people are streaming the services etc and then uh, denial this is the bit one of the big ones and this one I believe has gone to court now denial of secret ballots so you have ballots with people's names on them so now you know how everyone voted and they're saying this is a mess uh, because this is that's not you could enact revenge or whatever you could identify who the, the issues uh, people that are issues uh, in the church for leadership are and voted a certain way etc uh, then the washington post july 22nd posts another article five members of the church have filed a lawsuit claiming that the uh, sunday election they just had an election of three elders violated the church's constitution because the church did not allow a secret ballot um, there's also concern that local Muslim leaders are looking for the church buildings to buy and could have sites set on McLean's property and McLean's affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention. This is a big one. This is a big one right here, uh, right now, currently. Um, McLean Bible Church, according to Capstone Report, June 17th, 2021, and by the way, the primary sources are there. A.D. Robles actually did a great video on this. Uh, McLean Bible Church is listed as a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. McLean Bible Church is also a member of the SBC of Virginia State Convention. Such memberships are prohibited by the church's constitution, according to the current church members, staff, and former staff of the church. The church experienced significant turmoil when David Platt became lead pastor. The church forced its leadership to accept social justice and woke thinking. Also, the church leadership quietly affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. According to Article 1, Section 2 of the McLean Church Constitution, affiliation, that's the word used, uh, this church shall not and cannot be affiliated with any denomination, but shall remain independent for the promotion of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Emails with the Executive Committee of the SBC confirm that McLean has all three levels of affiliation with the SBC. In one email uh, between the SBC and a McLean member, it was stated that, yes, McLean Church is affiliated with the SBC, etc. It's in the databases, in the records. Also, the SBC confirms that McLean has affirmed the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 as a basis for cooperation. Church member uh, said, um, asked David Platt, uh, and, and this is publicly recorded now. Okay, so just let me ask you a question just one last minute. Is McLean Bible Church affiliated with the SBC? Yes or no? David Platt. I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure how to answer this question. Like, if what you mean by affiliation is, or if what I mean, if what anyone means by affiliation is working together with other churches to plant 43 churches in the Metro D.C. Uh, to send missionaries, including some 
from our church, family overseas to support disaster relief in response to hurricanes to support Yemeni refugees? Then the answer is yes. If you or anyone else or I by affiliation in thinking we are submissive to a denominational structure that we are helping direct and guide, the answer is no. Church member, okay. So you are making a distinction between affiliation and partnership, correct? David Platt. I'm giving anyone the freedom to make that distinction. I'm saying we partner together in all these ways that I've just mentioned. So, <laughs> uh, this is, depending on your meaning of is, right? Depending on your meaning of affiliation. Uh, and this is, and David Platt has, there's been multiple cases of this apparently where he denies that they've ever been affiliated with the SBC. He's done this publicly. Uh, the, the fact is though, this, this one, I, I just can't find any way around it. This, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. I, I don't know how in the world he can say that it totally is affiliated and has, or has been affiliated and, and still is on the Southern Baptist website. Now, um, this was, uh, June 18th. Now, some of you might've seen this already, so I'm not going to play the whole thing. They, they tried to have a business meeting during a church service. Very, very just weird move. But I, it seems to probably have a political bent to it because if you do it during a worship service, you know, you're going to be a rude guy if you do a point of order or anything like that. Well, someone did point of order. Hold on. This isn't secret ballot. This isn't right. And, um, well, here's just a clip of it. When they're complete, we'll ask you to pass them to the right. Larry, point of order. This is a difficult thing for me to do, to stand up here. Just, just a minute, sir. Just a minute. Well, I'm not accepting your point of order. We're, we're, we're conducting this meeting, sir. So uh, that's how it started and how it ended is you have a security guy, security guys, um, come forward and basically escort this guy out, even though... I've got a motion on the floor. Vote on it. I want second is there. I second. Two-thirds vote to move it, to, to stop the discussion. This is our meeting. Here's the hard part in all this. The people are so confused, and this guy is trying to... Um, He's trying to operate with Robert's rules, I guess, to uh, con conduct the meeting in the way a meeting should be conducted of this nature. And the, the people just don't even know what to do. They're not, they're not equipped with that. They just don't know how to react to it, a lot of them. And they're looking for direction from the front. And the people in the front and the, the security, they're not acknowledging this. They're doing the opposite. They're escorting the guy out. And um, this, this shows that there's a real problem. I mean, this could have, I, I don't know all the specifics, but you'd think this is something that could be avoided. This guy isn't hopping mad, jumping around, shouting and being crazy. He seems very rational, but he's, he's acting in a way that someone would act at a business meeting. And these people are confused because it's supposed to be a church service. And a, what is it? This, this is a mess. And the way they're dealing with it is, is this seems like the, one of the most incompetent things. And I don't have to know all the details to say this is incompetent. However, this was whoever had the bright idea of we're just going to, you know, tack a church business meeting on with the service. And then I don't know. But, uh, but that happened on July 18th. And then you have, um, then you have this, July 25th. 
this is the announcement that's made. And this is, I don't know which one this is. I think one of the satellites of McLean. If any person disrupts or shouts out at any point during the meeting, whoever is speaking on stage at that point will immediately back away from the microphone while our security team immediately comes to escort that person out of the meeting. If you are sitting near the person who has disrupted or shouted out during the meeting, please feel free to move away from that area appropriately and expediently. This will help both your, um, you and our security team or our FRT team. If anyone who disrupts or shouts out during the meeting or refuses to leave with our first response team, then security and possibly law enforcement will be asked to intervene. If anyone here is representing any sort of media, official or unofficial, including online platforms, bloggers, social media channels, etc., we would ask that you identify yourself. This is a private meeting of the McLean Bible Church family and it's not open to media, so we kindly ask that you would leave the meeting at this point. Please know, please know that we care and we love each and every single one of you. This is for your co cooperation and we pray for a peaceful and productive gathering that brings honor to Lord. You know the people at McLean are looking at the angle of the cell phone video trying to figure out who was that <laughs> who took that video. Um, yeah, this is this is a threat. This is they don't want the trans they, they don't want the transparency. And this this makes matters worse in my mind. Uh, but this is their way of trying to control the situation. Control is the is the word here. Other issues. Um, forty percent drop in attendance over I guess that would have been since David Platt got there. Uh, that's pretty significant. Uh, the relationship that the church has with the radical organization, David Platt's organization, I guess they have some office space there. Um, in a video, one of the pastors, Mike Kelsey, says, and this is a quote, totally honest, being angry about the situation, but it is difficult for me sometimes not to just torch all white people, because particularly white evangelicals and Christians. Talking about... Uh, the, the BLM stuff last year. Uh, this is a, a leader there. This is a pastor there. Hard for him. He just struggles, difficult sometimes. And he says this publicly, not just to torch all white people. Uh, th this is crazy. Um, so uh, there's uh, an apologist there uh, at McLean Bible Church who's made several videos, very long ones. I haven't watched uh, all of them, but I, I did watch this particular one because it was only 12 minutes long. <laughs> and and I was just like, this is this is crazy. This guy's a leader there at the church. Um, so uh, what are the takeaways uh, from all this? Why share this? Um, this is what's going on. Now, not in this exact, it's not the exact scenario at every church, but this is what's going on across evangelicalism right now. Churches are being torn apart. I've been saying this for two years, uh, at least, more than that, I think, um, that I've seen on a micro level because people send me the emails, churches being blown up over social justice. And I, it, it does that by design. That's what I think people need to realize. It's by design. You start dividing people up and assigning oppressor and oppressed designations to them that are very firm, firm designations. And you start um, shaming people uh, for things they haven't done. Uh, and you start um, trying to uh, conform the church to these ideolo ideology, really, and you get away from uh, the teaching of the Word of God. And the Word of God becomes just, 
it, it becomes a book that you use to illustrate your ideological pre-commitments instead of the other way around, or not even the other way around, just the Bible being the, the, the church is, I'll put it this way, the, the church is a ministry of grace, and it is, uh, it, it's a representation of the eternal realm as well, not just, not just the temporal realm. It is, it is kind of like, it's been, it's been viewed that this way for 2,000 years. It is the gateway. It is the, the place you go to commune with God. Now, yes, we priesthood of all believers. We believe that, but the church is the place you go to be with the other believers and uh, to commune with God, to worship him, uh, to prepare yourself for the life to, to come, to remind yourself of eternal things. And once you start doing the social justice thing, you start really getting hyper-focused on uh, the affairs of the earth and conforming them to some kind of ideological, uh, almost utopian scheme that can never really happen. It's, it's just a hamster wheel you keep running on. You can't ever quite get there. And there's no forgiveness in it. It, it's, it really does uh, contradict the gospel uh, in many ways. But and, and Christian teaching and objective truth and all kinds of things that Christians have held for a long time. But it, the, on a social level, it just disrupts the communion that Christians have with each other. And that's what I think you have going on at McLean Bible Church, among other things. It's not just that. With that, though, that's the second point I wanted to make. Um, this is very typical in my mind, because it's usually not just social justice. The people that want to push it generally have other issues. Uh, corruption issues, um, dishonesty. I mean, I've just run into this constantly. The politics are insane, especially in the SBC, insane. And David Platt was leader of the IMB. He knows about the politics of the SBC. He said he didn't like them, but he wouldn't name names. So he, but he, he comes from that world in a certain sense. He knows about it. And, and Joe, I think with Joe Carter, I think is there. I mean, you have, uh, you have left wingers <laughs> there. And, and McLean is supposed to be a place that is influential in D.C. because of how close it is. It influences politicians. That's the, the, the big thing McLean's supposed to be about, other than you know, the general things a church is about uh, on, on a, in a temporal level, on a, in a temporal realm. And, and their specific mission field in the eternal realm is, is these people uh, that are influential in politics, ministering to them. And, of course, there's, uh, that is strategic. Um, you can influence other people when you influence leaders. Uh, this has been the goal of evangelicals for a long time. Inf try to influence the, the leaders of culture or build artificially kind of construct leaders of culture. <laughs> Identify who they are as early as youth group and then, uh, and then try to, to make them the, the next cool thing. Um, it, it doesn't work out that way. It really doesn't. But that's been one of the things that they've tried to do. And um, anyway, that, that was not a tangent I needed to go down, but, uh, that's, that's the, uh, reason that McLean is so strategic. I think, I think th this is my gut. This isn't evidence I'm pointing to directly. I'm, this might come out at some point. Maybe it's already out there and I don't know about it, but I have a suspicion. McLean is a strategic church that it's a big church. It's an influential church. And that's the reason social justice folks wanted it. I, I have a suspicion. Who are those folks? I'm. David Platt would have been part of it, right? Joe Carter, probably some, somewhere in the mix somewhere. I don't know. I, most of them we probably wouldn't know. Um, and I'm not saying it's a big conspiracy th theory thing. This is, this is a theory, but it's, the, the, it's a theory based off of previous, uh, previous experiences. Um, I look at the Naples, FBC Naples thing, 
And, and the dust has pretty much settled on that. So we can go back and look at that. I see similarities here. It seemed like higher ups at the SBC really wanted FBC Naples. They're going to get Oxano involved. The, the, the Oxano is the group that was uh, there telling them, you know, what they needed to do. Uh, they all of a sudden, you know, from the leaders I talked to there, they're, they're, they're going to the SBC convention and they're, they're, they have these uh, leaders uh, from like Kevin Ezel and J.D. Greer making statements to support this pastor who wasn't even qualified according to their own constitution. And, and why is it that the SBCs all of a sudden, the big leaders want this big influential church in, in Naples, Florida? Well, it's one of the most conservative places in Florida. One of the biggest churches there. If you can flip that church, you can do a political move. And maybe they're not even thinking of that. Maybe it's just, it's just the power and influence of being able to, to control that church. I don't know. But there was clearly, in my mind, uh, from what I heard from the people that uh, on the ground there, there was an agenda at FBC Naples. I see something similar at play here. The difference is I haven't talked to all the people in ground, uh, on the ground in detail, and I don't know all the names or anything. But I'm just saying I'm seeing the same kind of pattern. Uh, and, and, um, I'm, I'm just wondering if that's going on, if there's, if there's more to this, that this was a strategic church and they, someone higher up wanted this church to be a certain way. And David Platt was, was the celebrity pastor who could go there and maybe, maybe do it. But again, uh, that's just an, uh, an observation based off of the Naples stuff. It's just a correlation. I'm not saying I have 100% evidence. Uh, I'm not saying there's a smoke-filled room somewhere. I'm just saying there's, there seems to be some people that wanted to take this church in a more left-leaning direction. And the uh, a lot of the members don't want it, don't want that. And the same thing happened at FBC Naples, very similar. So uh, let's see, we've gone about over almost an hour. I hope that was helpful in, in thinking this through uh, and maybe give, give you some information, things that you didn't know about. Uh, Ultimately, our hope's got to be in God. Our hope's got to be God, not in celebrity pastors. Uh, it's one of the things we've got to get away from. It can't be, it, it can never be in man. Our hope can never ultimately be in man. We do need heroes, though. We do need leaders. I would just be careful about picking those leaders. <laughs> uh, don't do it according to just celebrity. Um, I think that our, 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 our best leaders should be the people we know and experience in, in our daily lives. Uh, local church leaders people that, you know, coaches, your dad, uh, your mom, uh, relatives, friends, neighbors. Um, these, these should be the people, the people that you can watch their daily life. There's a reason that in scripture, the qualifications for an elder are things like, like hospitality. Like you need to be, you need to see this man. You need to see what he's doing in his daily life. Uh, be in his house. You need to know kind of what the reputation that he has among his neighbors, etc. That's important. Uh, very important because you want to make sure that that this person is actually uh, who they say they are, who they portray. Because it's easy to portray. Uh, first, it's, it's harder for some than others, but for some people, it is easy to portray something that they are not from the pulpit. And uh, I would just caution you, just because someone wrote a book. I would say that even with myself, by the way. Um, I'm hope, hoping I'm, I'm giving you good information that's giving getting you to think and answering questions and that kind of thing, but. Don't be careful of even putting someone like myself on, on such a big pedestal uh, in your mind. And, and, and look, I, I'm not trying to say don't have respect. I'm not trying to say for, for people, I'm not saying don't uh, follow some of the things they do. I'm just saying be very careful 
of, of how much you elevate someone in your mind uh, who you don't really know. And uh, just, just a general principle there. So uh, it is late where I am. I need to probably end this. Um, more coming later this week. Uh, I should probably mention, I thought I had, a, I do have it somewhere, but um, link is in the info section. If I, I'm still offering 80 Robles, Social Justice Pharisees, you can, you can get the book yourself. Uh, it is uh, $20, I think, with shipping. So it's $15 and five bucks for shipping if you are um, not a patron. If you're a patron, you just pay five bucks for shipping. The $15 is waived. You just enter a code, and I'll, I'll put the links in the info section if you're interested in that. Um, it's a great book. I'm, I'm almost done with mine, by the way. I'll give you an update. I'm still writing, but uh, I'm like I'm in the home stretch right now for uh, Christianity and social justice, religions, and conflict, and it's going to be a good book, guys. I, I'm really excited about it. So anyways, appreciate all your support, all your prayers. God bless, and until next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.